Hey everybody, this is Paul Carruthers. I'm the communications manager for Moto America. This is our weekly podcast, Off Track. As always, I'm joined by Sean Weiss as my cohort. Um, today we have a cool guest that we, we haven't talked to in a while. It's always fun to, uh, to reunite with somebody that you haven't spoken with or seen for a bit. But uh, Jake Lewis is going to be with us today, uh, Sean, and I'm pumped that he's, he's got another opportunity to come back to the Moto America paddock. I think it's going to be a nice fit for him. I think he knows the bike well, obviously, and uh, I think he'll jump right back in and, and be a factor in that championship. Yeah, it's funny. We talked to him, you know, in a video version of our podcast last year, and I, I think it was when he was at uh, Road America for the first round. Um, and boy, a lot transpired since then, of course. But you know, it's it's funny. Back then, he was talking about the woods riding that he's, he has been doing. I know he's continued with that stuff too, but the cool thing about now is remember, remember when we had him on back then, it was in the middle of the summer when he had to mow that gigantic lawn that he had. He's probably happy that it's winter time now and he, in, in winter in Kentucky, they don't get a ton of snow, but he probably doesn't have to mow the lawn too much this time of year. So that's yeah, Jake that's Lewis's lawn probably dies a bit, but I, it was funny because I was looking at some stuff and, and, and you and I chatted a little bit before and we'll bring Jake on, Jake on in a second. But you know what? I, I'd almost forgotten that he, sh that he showed up at, at pit race and, and rode the HSBK Ducati for, for PJ Jacobson, who was injured from his Road America crash. And uh, I mean, he, I, I just don't think he ever got comfortable. And, and, and you and I were talking too. It's like, People don't realize just how difficult it is to come in and when A, you haven't been racing, B, you haven't tested, C, you're on a bike you've never ridden. And I mean, Ducatis can be little quirky things anyway. I mean, they're brilliant when you get them sorted out, but if they're, they don't have the, necessarily the same feel as a Japanese bike does. Um, right. When you first get on them, they're, they can be a little uncomfortable until you get it sorted out. So he, he faced some big challenges there, and then he'd also... You know, as you mentioned, rode the BMW, Shivey's BMW at Road America. So this kid was bouncing around all over the place, and I just don't think he ever got comfortable with anything. And actually, I think it was probably good to, um, from just to go back to what he was doing and, and not keep taking these one-off rides. And, and now it's worked out for him because he's going to be joining the, the Altus, Altus Motorsports team uh, in Stock 1000 on a GSXR 1000, a bike that he obviously feels comfortable with. So why don't we bring Jake in? And Jake, it's nice to have you back, and, and we're pumped that you're going to be part of Moto America again. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm really excited for this year. You know, obviously, 2020 was a bit crazy for everybody, and uh, like you guys were saying, uh, the one-off rides were, were definitely tough, you know. So uh, it's nice to come into this, this year with a, with a good opportunity on a good team, a good bike, and uh, going to be able to do the full season and hopefully be running at the front again. Yeah, Jake, you know, and I got to, I got to give full disclosure here. So, so shortly before we went on the podcast, you know, sometimes I get cocky. It's like, oh man, I know all about these riders. And I completely forgot you raced that Ducati at Pittsburgh. And it was more recent. I remember when we talked to you, you know, at Road America and then, then it, it all came back to me in a vision. You know, I suddenly remember that I had talked to you and you were looking forward to riding a Ducati that you had never done before. But 
um, you're going to be and and already are because of my short-term memory. Um, you're you're already an answer to a trivia question. You know who, which uh, Moto America rider rode two completely different superbikes in the same year? I mean, that's pretty incredible that you did that. Yeah, not many people. Uh... I guess knew I did that, you know, you don't get much TV time running in the back. So uh, that was a tough weekend. You know, I got the call, I think on Wednesday it was uh, from Bobby at HSBK asking me what I was into and uh, uh, cut death date. So I I went home after that, packed my bags and uh, was at Pittsburgh on, on Thursday and riding, filling in for, you know, PJ on the Ducati. And honestly, that was a super tough weekend for me, you know, because First of all, I never rode a Ducati. It had been six months or so since I really raced competitively. And uh, the, the Ducati was just so small and it was so, so difficult for me to ride. You know, I was just mainly pumped because uh, Pittsburgh, you know, was one of my favorite tracks. And I, and I thought I was going to be able to do a little better than I did. So that was a little bit disappointing. But uh, it was it was a fun weekend, you know. At least I got to spend some laps and uh, be in the paddock. But uh, definitely was a tough weekend. I mean, I remember walking down pit lane when you first got off the bike and we're, you know, getting back on and they make some changes and stuff. <laughs> I mean, I just saw in your face, like how uncomfortable you were. And I was actually like, man, this, this, this cannot be fun. Cause it's, it's, just, yeah. it's just, honestly, it's too much to ask of somebody. Yeah, for sure. You know, and then obviously when I, when I go out there and like I said, I hadn't rode a road race bike in a while. So just the, the speed of things and the way uh, your brain has to process going fast, it took me a little bit of time to get up to speed. And then once I was kind of up to speed, you know, I was just kind of stuck at a certain pace and really wasn't comfortable on the bike at all. And I uh, was struggling with a few things. So it made it tough, you know, and then especially in the races, the bike was super hard to get off the line. So, I mean, two, two rows even behind me were pa past me going into turn one. So it made for some long races and, uh, it was a tough weekend, but, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be back on the Suzuki. You know, I just got done with a test at, at Eagles Canyon in Texas this past weekend. And, uh, feels like I'm back at home. You know, the Suzuki fits, fits me really well. And, uh, it's, it's a comfortable and easy bike for me to ride. It must be nice knowing, a, what you're doing, and it's, you know, it's not, it's not the week before the first race, and you know what you're doing. Like you said, you've ridden the bike. You're, pretty, you're familiar a little bit with the team, I would imagine, and obviously the team has shown that they're a good team because of the results they got with, with Cameron Peterson last year winning that championship. So, I mean, now you can, you can literally have an offseason to focus on what you're going to be doing and knowing what it is that you're going to be doing. I mean, is that, that's got to be a great feeling. Oh, for sure. You know, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, uh, going into a season, knowing what I'm doing and uh, going to prepare like myself and my body just to for the season. That's the biggest thing, the training, the mental aspect of going into a season, knowing that you're ready to go. And uh, even though we still have a little bit of time, you know, it's nice to nice to know what I'm doing, have a have a uh, game plan. And I think I'm going to be able to ride the bike, I think, two more times before uh, – even before the tire test. So that's super nice. You know, the team's, the team's really good, and uh, it's kind of like a family atmosphere over there. So it's nice to be on a team that's kind of laid back, but then also, you know, they, they have one goal, and that's to win. So uh, it's a lot, not really a lot of pressure on myself, but it's just going to be a fun year and uh, looking forward to hopefully, you know, running up front in the Stock 1000 class and going after the championship. You know, it's funny, Jake, when we got the photos of you, right, uh, you know, doing a test last weekend, 
or last week, whenever it was, I, of course, saw the garage and was like, wow, where the heck is he? And I was thinking Chuck Walla. I wasn't really sure. I actually called Jeanette um, Nassani and um, I felt bad because she's, she's got a pretty bad cold, definitely not COVID, she told me, but um, she, it didn't sound like her and she was laboring to even, you know, get the words out because she didn't really have much of a voice, but she gave me the info on Eagles Canyon Raceway and I looked it up and I, I had no idea about the place. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the, you know, their son, Jarrett Nassani, who's racing in Supersport and Hayden Bicknese, who's the junior cup, new junior cup kid this week. So, or this year, this season, I should say. And the photo showed the three of you guys in the, in the um, garage together. So, you know, tell us about that test and, and you had a garage there. I mean, I don't know anything about that that track is it is it is it decent yeah first of all you know I didn't know anything about the track at all either you know uh I grew up racing down in Texas in the CMRA classes for like two or three years and uh that was a track that wasn't on the schedule back then so it's I think it's still like 10 years old but it's freshly repaved and it's actually a super fun track and uh good for testing you know it had some fifth gear straight away some hard braking uh some technical stuff off cambered so it was a, actually a really fun track uh although the weather the weather wasn't the best for us you know it was pretty pretty chilly and uh really windy out there but it, it was good to spend some laps and and meet the team the mechanics all of that stuff but the facility the garages were actually super nice so uh i'm glad i went down there and uh was able to you know we still got in quite a few laps because we were down there for two days so it was good just to kind of get the the base set up and uh you know the the position on the bike and learn a few things before we ride the next time that's great is is the bike is it literally cam peterson's old bike now it's a known fact that team hammer builds those bikes for um altis and of course they do a lot a lot with them during the season and everything i know it's the bike was developed with if that's the same bike with cam and it, so is it cam's old bike and are you riding cam's old bike this year or is it a different bike no, it's actually the exact same bike as Cam uh, finished on at Laguna. So I don't think they had, you know, had touched one thing on the bike since Laguna. And uh, it was nice to to hop on the bike, you know, because the last time Cam was on the bike, I mean, he pretty much dominated the Superstock Championship. And uh, we know it's a, a good package, a good team. So it was funny, you know, after the first day or after I posted the picture that I was riding, uh, Cam wrote me on Instagram was like, how did I do with the setup, bro? And I was like, oh, it's really good. I haven't changed anything. So uh, it's an exciting, exciting start. You know, it's a, it's a good package and uh, a good starting point for myself. So, so Jake, give us a little bit of setup insight here. I think I remember from talking to you in the past that generally because of your height, you have to move, usually move the foot pegs down a little bit. Um, did you, what was your, what did you have to change on that bike? I mean, Cam Peterson's not, super tall he's, he's also not super short either he's kind of a regular size guy so did you have to move the foot pegs yeah for sure that's the one of the first things that i always move <laughs> on a bike is is the foot pegs and then you know the handlebars but uh, i was surprised you know he run he ran his handlebars out pretty wide kind of like i do so you, you have a lot of leverage and uh room to move around on the bike so uh, the main thing i just moved was the foot pegs and then a little bit with the seat position uh they said he kept going lower and lower with his seat. So uh, we kind of raised that up for myself. So my knees and legs weren't so crunched up and I could move side to side on the bike a little quicker as well. So it was good to, to get those two days, you know, kind of by ourselves. It was a private track. So, uh, you know, no spectators, no, no one out there in your way and just kind of focused on myself for riding and uh, what, what we need to work on as the team and, and what we need to change for the next test. So it was nice to kind of get some info and 
and be with Eric Gray, who's going to be the crew chief for the team for the year. Okay, so Jake, tell us a little bit about what, what your year was like away from Moto America. Obviously, you, you had those two races, but we've already discussed those. So what, what, what did you do? I, I mean, I know you, you did some off-road racing in, during the summer, during the season, and, and stuff like that, but what, was your life a lot different without Moto America? Yeah, honestly, man, it was, it was really tough because uh, I'd rode motorcycles, you know, since I'm since I was four years old. So uh, and I've been in the in the paddock since I was 16. So kind of taking the realization and uh, and not knowing what the future held for me uh, was was tough taking the year away from racing. And it's like, what do I do now with my life? You know, luckily, I had a, a few good years there with uh, Yoshimura and then M4 as well. So I'd saved up, you know, a little bit of money. So I wasn't rushing to get a job. Uh, and just in case, you know, the opportunity came back to race, but I helped my uncle, you know, cut death dates there for a little bit. And then this, this past winter I did the, the UPS uh, delivered out of my van and uh, this kind of, kind of waited for an opportunity. And uh, I kind of knew, you know, with the, with the way the rules read, I could do stock thousand this year. So I just uh, kind of waited around and honestly kept in touch with uh, George Nassani with Altus because uh, I felt like it would be a good opportunity for both of us if, if Cam was moving up to Superbike. So kind of kept that option open but it, it's definitely tough you know when you're used to racing year after year and kind of have to take the year off I did a, a lot of the woods races just for fun and that was just on the weekend thing you know load up my van on Sunday go race for two hours and then come home but uh it's definitely weird being away from the paddock okay talk to me a little bit about this UPS thing because I initially thought that was you just joking around so you actually worked for UPS <laughs> and you delivered stuff in your van. Yeah. So uh, they, they have like personal vehicle uh, drivers, like, you know, through uh, it's, it's called peak season for them. So I actually started, I think it was the week before Thanksgiving and worked there for, for three months, just kind of helping out through the, through the holidays. You know, I, I mean, sometimes I would have a hundred stops a day in my van. So a, a full, you know, nine to five, a full eight hour day delivering out of the van and it was funny because Kyle Wyman actually called me and asked hey what the heck are you doing doing that because you know Amazon has have delivery people as well so it was fun to do and uh it's kind of you know it, UPS is a good job around here so I liked working there and uh they liked me and I'm actually stayed on after you know I'm doing like the afternoon sort now so when the semis come in in the afternoon I have to unload them so I'm still having a job even though I'm gonna be racing <laughs> All right, I'm only asking this for a friend, not for myself. But and you don't have to give me an exact amount or anything. But do they pay pretty well? Yeah, that's the thing. That's why I wanted to do it, man. It's like uh, it was it, it was good uh, good pay. It was like I think it was twenty one an hour plus the mileage. And you know, sometimes I would do two hundred miles a day, even though I was driving my own van. It, it ended up adding adding up pretty good. And that's why I kind of wanted to do it. I kind of had some freedom and could be on the phone you know working up deals and stuff with uh, George and everything so it was a fun job and not like too much uh manual labor yeah speaking of manual labor have you done any training at all yeah you know, don't, don't take this the wrong way Jake but I noticed there looks like a couple extra pounds in your face than what I remember <laughs> yeah for sure no, no, that's <laughs> Man, that's the thing. I'm not gonna lie. You know how I am. I tell the truth like it is. And even even Chris Orich uh, texted me, giving me some shit after after that picture. He's like, "Lay off the beers, man." And 
you know, that's the thing when you're away from racing and uh, you kind of get to enjoy enjoy some some beers, some eating whatever you want, and uh, definitely add. You know, I've added 20 pounds uh, since I since I quit racing like at the end of 2019. So like you know, all last year I was 20 pounds heavier than when I was racing like competitively. So definitely got got back in the gym like when I knew kind of knew this deal was uh happening and already i've already lost a little bit of weight but still got a little ways to go but luckily no i thought i was going to be in a lot worse shape when i was on the bike than i was and uh it's just a few areas you know honestly my my cardio wasn't like terrible it's just the way my shoulders are and then like the the reactions of my you know when you got to move side to side on the bike fast it uh we're definitely wears out your legs so got to get back on the bicycle and uh planning on actually i might try to come out to uh california and spend spend some time because we're going to be riding at chuckwalla at the end of this month uh for the cvma race and might spend some time out there riding my bicycle mm -hmm. to 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 get in a little bit better shape before the season starts but luckily you know i think we don't race until the end of april so got to get the got to get that baby fat off my face <laughs> <laughs> if you come out here i'll happily drag you through back yeah. like <laughs> and also i want to tell you something like there's you always hit rock bottom with stuff and i'm thinking if chris orch is giving you shit about your weight you might have hit rock bottom <laughs> no nah, nah. man i want i wanted to text i wanted to text chris back so bad because uh <laughs> i'm I, I told him I, I'll, i'm gonna work on it for sure but you know, when I rode for the team, like, uh, obviously he was retired. It's like, man, you had no room to be talking those first two years of retirement. He, he gained that weight too. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. It's Josh Gaze was brutal with him after he retired. Just would rip him all the time about that. So <laughs> yeah, it's nothing for me, you know, now that I have some motivation and, uh, I mean, they know I'm kind of expected to win by the team or at least, you know, fight at the front. So, uh, it's nice to get motivated for something and get back to training like I used to for sure. Yeah. And you know, Jake, I mean, it really proves the motivation that you riders have. I mean, you guys, you guys aren't, are almost not your normal selves when you're riding. I mean, I, you know, you, you, you're, you're superhuman, you know, you're doing things. I mean, heck, I remember when Nikki Hayden got so, so thin in MotoGP there and, you know, just to try to get smaller with Pedrosa and those guys around. And I mean, we know with your height, what you, what you do to try to, you know, get yourself you know, able to tuck into the bike, be lighter. I mean, it all adds to horsepower and stuff. So it's, it's, it's a huge undertaking for you guys to do, but I, I'll credit to you to, you know, come back and be ready to do that again. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's honestly not the, the most fun thing to do sometimes because like you said, I'm, I'm six foot three and uh, pretty much the same height as Corey Alexander, you know, and yep. so we're already kind of at a disadvantage for being so tall and uh, it's, it's, it's super tough to, to stay lean and stay thin for, for the whole year and still have enough, uh, have enough like power to, to make it through the race and muscle around the 1000. But it's funny, you know, I was telling my mom uh, last week, it's, it's like, man, I used to, to work my butt off with Roger and all them, and I would be 155, 160 pounds and be a beanpole, and Danny Eslick would be 180, 190, drinking beer and pass me on the straightaway. So it's like, man, how – like, you know, you never know. Uh, like, obviously weight makes a difference, but then again, at some point on the thousands, it's not a huge deal like it is on the littler bikes. Okay, so you, you mentioned Corey Alexander – I mean, I, the, the, the front of a, a, a stock 1000 class this year could look like, you know, two guys from the NBA, but do you, do you anticipate him based on what you've seen him being the toughest competition? Yeah, as far as I know, you know, I don't, 
I honestly don't know uh, who who's going to be racing the stock thousand class. Yes, but uh, as far as like looking at the results from this past last year, it was uh, obviously Cameron, Corey, Michael Gilbert, Stefano, and then uh, I don't I haven't heard what PJ's doing or if he's racing. So uh, you, you never know. You know, you just got to. I'm just focusing on myself right now, getting back in shape and uh, getting along with the team, getting the bike ready. But I would say Corey for sure is going to be one of the top guys. You know, he has a good program that he runs and he's on a good bike. So it should be a fun season. You also mentioned training. And I, I remember speaking of, um, speaking of not knowing who your competition is, I'll never forget the time I came to the Hayden's place up there in Orange and we went cycling and Nikki was there. And I was, I think I was interviewing you at the time and I was asking you, I don't even remember what class you would have been riding in, but I'm like, who, you, who do you anticipate as being your toughest competition? And I'll never forget, Nikki kind of leaned in and he said, hey, Jake, um, I heard Casey Stoner is going to do some wild. <laughs> and I thought that was classic Nikki that he would just give me, give me shit like that. But uh, yeah, so you don't have Casey Stoner to worry about, but I guess there's going to be other guys. Are you doing, you're going to do Superbike Cup as well, right? Yeah, Superbike Cup, you know, I think for the Stock 1000 guys, or at least, you know, the, the main guys, it's it's a good way to, to get more exposure and uh, honestly to get more money for us, you know. Uh, that's a big thing. Luckily, Moto America gives gives you the incentive to to race the Superbike class. And uh, seeing how Cameron did last year against the Superbikes on his bike uh, was really impressive. So hopefully I can kind of, you know, repeat his form and uh, be up there because I've raced against all the guys that, you know, are still in the Superbike class besides Loris Baz coming over. I mean, that's going to add some excitement to the class for sure. And uh, it's shaping up to be a good year in all the classes. Jake, so since you're you're on Cam Peterson's old bike, which is a hammer built bike and, you know, I don't know what they're planning for the year with you, whether you're going to continue to have that bike or not, but you, your most recent before this stint on a Suzuki was a team hammer built actual super bike, which I know we've talked about it before. That bike was a little bit different than the Yosh bike at the time. It wasn't like a full on factory Suzuki, um, which I think the bikes that um, they're using, they used last year with Bobby Fong and Tony and, and uh, who, who the riders are going to have this year, you know, is a little bit more than of a super bike than probably you had when you were riding a super bike for um, M4. But do you, you know, it's been a little while, but do you, is there some familiarity there? I mean, you know, and there's some, there's obviously some knowledge you have not only in setup, but you, you've have, have a lot of laps on a Suzuki. So that's, that's clearly going to help you, I would think. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just uh, like I said, being back on the Suzuki just fits me really well. And I was on the Suzuki from what, 2015 all the way until 2019. So I had four se four seasons on the Suzuki. So I kind of know how the bike works. Uh, the setup notes that the team's going to have and, you know, just the gearing, like everything starting uh, the weekend will, will be helpful. You know, I'll be starting with, with the setup that I, that I'm familiar with and won't have to worry about that. I'll just have to worry about my riding. So that's the main thing. And uh, it's going to be nice, you know, being with, with the Altus guys, because like you said, they do get help from the team hammer. So it'll be nice having uh set up notes from them and then I'm still have a good relationship with my old crew chief Ben Fox and uh also he's working with Bobby Fong on the electronics now but he still keeps in touch with me and uh we kind of talk about the setup and uh all of that stuff so it'll be it'll be good just going into the year knowing knowing what uh to anticipate 
Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny with Altus Motorsports, I even kind of speculated this in a story I wrote for the website, uh, Moto America website this year is, you know, Cam Peterson won the, won the championship and also uh, Stock 1000 championship and also won the Superbike Cup. And I thought, geez, these guys have been in the paddock for a while. They have a big footprint. They're a great team. They, they, they're a good looking team. You know, they really, really project well and help the image of Moto America so much. I'm like, wow, why don't they go Superbike racing? They're pretty much almost there. And, you know, of course, now, um, you know, you're, you're on the team. We don't know yet necessarily what Cam Peterson is doing, but you have Superbike experience. And I know it's year to year with you guys and teams, but I almost wonder if, I mean, if it turns out that you, you win the championship and get the Superbike Cup points, or even if you don't, but you're right up there in the, at the pointy end, you know, it seems like it's a natural progression for that team to eventually someday ride, race a Superbike. It's forks, you know, triple clamps. Um, swing arm. I understand it's super expensive. I don't mean to uh, minimize it too much, but you know, it seems like a natural progression, certainly for you who has done it before. I, is there, has there been any conversation about that with them or is that just something, you know, you're looking at this year and see what happens? Uh, not for myself, you know, I think that's, uh, that's kind of what, whatever the team decides to do. But uh, for me, it's just focusing on the stock thousand, the Superbike cup, because obviously that's their goal right now is to try to go, back-to-back championships and uh that's why they hired me so that's our goal for this year and uh, I, I know they did last year you know I think obviously Moto America wants them to to be a premier superbike team as well but like you said uh, I mean obviously the the swing arm the tri- triple clamps the forks the brakes the electronics I mean all of that's uh, a lot of money and just having the sponsorship and backing to to run a good competitive superbike uh program is is a lot of money so that's the main thing you know obviously money makes the world go round and to run a super bike uh super bike program is really expensive and just the personnel to do it as well you know because when you start getting all of those parts and the electronics i mean you got to have smart guys to run that and if you want to be running at the front you know it's it's clear that you're a fan favorite. You probably see it on our social media. We see it all the time. We saw it last year, the couple times you you raced with us. And, you know, once it was announced that you were back this year, I mean, you know, people people are going nuts. It's, you know, Owensboro, it's it's Jake, what you've done in your career over the years and stuff. So, you know, it's great, great to have you back involved in in the series again. I mean, I just wanted to say that, but I gotta I gotta tell you, I gotta tell you a funny story that's it's a UPS story, which just popped in my head back when you earlier in this podcast with you and Paul were talking about you working with UPS. So when I, back when I used to live in New Hampshire, I, there, I had uh, worked for an ad agency and, and we had a bank as a client and the spokesperson for the bank became this woman named Lynn Jennings, who was a distance, an Olympic distance runner from New Hampshire. And I got to know her a little bit because we were doing commercials with her and all kinds of stuff. And she told me a story um, I, I went to her house one day, met her husband, and I found out she actually married her, her UPS driver. Like she was, you know, she was a full-on Olympic athlete, you know, attractive woman. And basically this guy would come and deliver sneakers to her because she had a sponsorship from, I don't know, I think it was Adidas or somebody for, you know, her running shoes. So the guy was constantly coming to her house and leaving off packages. And, you know, he was a full-on, you know, what can Brown do for you, UPS driver. And, you know, they met, fell in love. I don't know what was going on after he delivered the packages, but somehow they ended up getting married. I, am, I know you have a girlfriend. She may be listening on this thing right now. And I know she's probably going to be in the paddock. 
And I completely understand that we have people in our paddocks and girls that also like our riders. But dude, I'm kind of glad you got out of that UPS deal because you, know, you got a girlfriend already. So, you know, let's so what slow are you, down. What are you, what, yeah, what are, you, what are you saying, Sean? That I'm going to be delivering two types of packages or what? Exactly. <laughs> I'm saying I'm glad you're not doing that anymore. Just focus on racing and and your and your current girlfriend is what I'm getting. <laughs> but Jake, at least one of the packages would be small. Yeah. <laughs> hey, about you know the size say, of a hey, shoebox you know is good. You know what they say about tall guys, Paul. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> not big around, but boy, is it short. <laughs> oh my god what happened to this podcast i don't know but it's so far it's about one of my favorites yeah i think it is a good one um you mentioned that eric gray is your your crew chief this year uh you know i know that he was kind of the team manager last year and you know melissa was involved in the team but is eric taking over kind of the crew chief thing and is is melissa involved this year or is it a different crew or some of the guys that were within that that team last year that are maybe doing different things How, how's how's the makeup of the team yeah I think they kind of rearranged uh the team a little bit from what it's gonna what it was last year uh I know Cameron's mechanic uh his main mechanic last year is is working with the Hayden Big Niece now on the 400 so uh they got myself a new like a mechanic uh it's, it's Jesse Davis from California so it was nice meeting him and uh working with him at the test and then also have you know like a, a kind of a B mechanic another mechanic that I haven't met yet but then Eric's like kind of the whole team's uh, crew chief. So he kind of yeah. does everything that crew chief, the team manager, he kind of just makes sure that everything's staying in line and everything's working smoothly. But, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a smaller team uh, than what I was used to, but it's, it's really like family orientated and uh, it's, it, it's a good atmosphere. Yeah. So it's interesting with you, Jake. I mean, you've got another teammate named Hayden. You can't get away from the Haydens, can you? yeah no. <laughs> it's crazy are you you know you mentioned about riding bicycles and it's well documented we did a actually our tv crew did a thing where they went down owensboro and we talked about this on the last podcast about how the group you you know used to ride maybe maybe they don't as much you're saying you're going to get back doing it in california but you know have you seen jd lately i know you guys hang out together a little bit or, or did um he's pretty busy too though probably in he's in arizona i don't know what's going on with with him these days yeah, honestly, I mean, I have, honestly I haven't really talked to JD, and heck, it's been. I mean, I've seen, I was talked to him here and there, just small talk, but like not riding or anything in, in the past probably four or five months. It's been a while, and uh, right now he's right now he's down in Florida with a couple of the other flat trackers. Uh, they I think rented a house down there and are training and riding. So I haven't really kept in in touch with him too much, and uh, he's going to be glad I'm racing again because last year, even when I was not racing he would always text me hey you want to cycle hey you want to ride and uh so it'll be good to get back with him riding but other than that you know none of the other Owensboro boys are really cycling or riding so it's uh you know kind of just up to to myself to to get myself ready and uh be ready for the races focus just, you know just focus on myself it'll be nice because you know when I live back at home in Princeton you know I, I did the same kind of program just focus on myself did rode at my house and uh that's the main thing. You know, I have a nice track at my property now and a uh, good country roads to ride my bicycle on. So it'll be, it'll be good. And, and I see one of the guys there, Nick McFadden's turned into a millionaire real estate mogul. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> He's actually, I'm, I'm, I'm actually proud of him. He's doing, 
I see the work that he does and I see how successful he's been. And it's, it's kind of cool to see that, uh, that he was able to, you know, move on from racing and actually, you know, have some success doing something like that. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, it's really hard to, like we were talking earlier, it's hard to go from racing from the time you were four years old until heck, you know, now we're almost in, in our mid twenties. So it's like, now you need to move on to the next phase of your life and figure out what you're going to do because, you know, obviously racing's not going to, last forever and uh you just need to have a kind of have a backup plan but i think all, our hearts will always be in racing no matter what and you know for myself i was still doing some woods racing and and riding a lot and i think i'll do that you know until i die so that's great for me it's just kind of in my blood all right well you know what jake i'm uh i not and i speak for sean as well and i speak, speak for everybody in moto america it's going to be great having you back I don't like the thought of you delivering packages no matter what time <laughs> I, I want. I, I'm, I'm happy you're going to be back racing with us. You're a good guy to have in the paddock. And, and I know you're going to have success on that bike with that team and you'll give those guys hell. So thanks for joining us uh, on today's podcast. It's, it's been a lot of fun. It's always nice to laugh with you. So uh, many thanks for that. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, especially big thanks to the fans. Like you guys said, it was it was nice seeing all the good comments and uh, a lot of people happy to see me back in the paddock, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, let me let me just jump in here um, and and say yeah, thanks, Jake. We're thrilled thrilled that you're back, and it's going to be fun to talk to you and and uh, see you in the press conferences too when you're on the podium and with those wins and everything. We we know it's going to happen. Um, I just want to add that, uh, you know, we talked about Jake and his girlfriend and all this stuff. Well, that's, that's my segue into the fact that Valentine's Day is coming up and I wanted to give you guys a heads up. That we, 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 have a, um, we have a promotion coming up for Valentine's Day because, I mean, nah, no flowers, no boxes, of chocolates. You guys got to get tickets to our race weekends. We're going to have a sale. There's a code that you can put in. Look on our social media to see what we got going. But, I mean, what more would you want to get your loved one, whether it's, uh, you know, your girlfriend, your, your boyfriend, your husband, your wife, or even your kids? you got to get them these tickets at this great uh, promotion that we've got coming up. So look for it and uh, get ready for this race season coming up with Jake Lewis and Stock 1000 and Superbike Cup. Wow, what a salesman. Yeah, what a salesman. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's a good line. <laughs> I, I actually started to buy some and then realized I didn't have to because I'm going to go anyway. So I, I, stopped the, <laughs> I stopped the purchase. All right, you guys, thank you very much. Have, uh, have a good, safe week, and uh, we'll talk again soon, Jake. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys.